Net-a-Porter presents The Incredible Women Podcast, Series 5, The Rule Breakers. I think I'll probably go in the studio in October, but at least that means, like, I, I just... The pandemic really helped me. They shouldn't have let me know what it's like to be able to be in one place for a period yeah. of time. Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> now I'm, like, craving that so hard. Right. But, um, but the studio at least means I'll, like, I can exercise, I can do my washing. Yeah, I can keep see a few friends. Yeah. Oh, no, been, no, 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 none of that, no, no. Okay, plants, plants more I just want to exercise and water plants so yeah. much that when I can't, I go <laughs> crazy. Welcome to the new series of the Incredible Women podcast. This season, we're talking to women who are breaking the rules and really pushing boundaries. Consider them radicals or mavericks and prepare to be inspired by their vision. I'm Alice Casely Hayford, Content Director at Netta Porte, and I'm so excited to be joined by Self Esteem for this episode of our Rule Breakers podcast. Previously one half of indie folk duo Slow Club, Rebecca Lucy Taylor forged her own path in 2017, going solo as Self Esteem and releasing her infectious, patriarchy smashing pop anthems. In the artist's two acclaimed albums, her debut Compliments Please, and more recently Prioritize Pleasure, shortlisted for this year's Mercury Prize, she candidly tackles sexuality, toxic masculinity, and millennial womanhood. Taylor has shaken up the music industry with her fresh approach, incredibly pertinent lyrics, and catchy melodies, garnering an ever-growing fan base around the world. So nice to have you yeah, with us today. it's lovely to meet you. Yeah, thanks for having me. How, how are you doing? How have your past couple of months been? Congrats <laughs> on the Mercury just, yeah, That's that amazing. Was good. <laughs> I was really worried about... The Mercury Prize has always been something that's like I want to achieve a nomination for like always. It's always been on my mind for I've been making music for 15 years mm-hmm. and then every year I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> it's not me then. And uh, I'm really working on validation, not being needed from things like mm-hmm. that. But that was one of the ones that I've just always wanted. And I set out to do achieve five things on this record and that was the final one to do. So, yeah, it's been Amazing. And but like the relief sort of outweighs like the actual thing. I'm like waiting now for it to sink in. You just mentioned validation and obviously trying to not worry about needing that from others. How the bloody hell do you do that? Uh, Because I think that's what we all strive for, but it's impossible. I think it's like it should be a a subject at school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like it is so ingrained and so when I don't feel all right, I realize more often than not, it's because I'm trying yeah, I, mean, I need something from anyone mm-hmm. else but myself. And it's kind of, it's, it, I don't think it's as lonely and as sad as that sounds. Mm-hmm. Like being able to validate myself, look after myself and love myself has changed my life. And it doesn't, it's not constant. Mm-hmm. It actually only comes in brief moments of euphoria where I'm like, ah, I'm all right. Um, but my sort of devotion to cultivating that part mm-hmm. of me is what I'm on about really. Mm. Well, of course, that really stems from your moniker stage name, Self-Esteem Itself. Why did that mean so much to you and why did you want to name yourself that? Well, this is, I mean, I say this a lot, but like I didn't call it that mm-hmm. for any other reason than I thought it was a cool band name. <laughs> and because I also didn't have any self-esteem. It never occurred to me that I didn't have any though. Like my whole 20s was like, Ugh, hate myself, lol. You know, like I was that... Ugh, sarcastic all the time and everything was just like glass half empty and Mm. the idea of loving myself was ridiculous and lame and I just called it that because I thought it was a cool band name and then slowly it really has been a self-fulfilling thing and quite quite amazing really quite like magical in a way 
and I do this joke a lot, but I'm going to call my next band loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, but I really, you know, I, I needed it so mm-hmm. much, and it's still, like I said, it comes in and out, but, mm-hmm. but it is quite sort of amazing that it, yeah, it became very profound mm. to call it that <laughs> but I think it is definitely well for me I found something that comes with uh, entering your 30s yeah. for so many people being a 20 something is really challenging it's really fun <laughs> and riotous and amazing but you're kind of riddled with self-doubt mm-hmm. and comparison whereas once you're in your 30s I feel you know a bit more about yourself mm-hmm. so regardless of what you do it's just a new chapter yeah. that feels a bit more self-assured so. yeah I keep thinking like is it have I worked on it or is it just a natural amount of like aging and I'm being um, having therapy <laughs> and like the the result is and sort of finding my people like I think didn't have and all my relationships were very unhealthy or mm-hmm. all, all my a lot of my friendships weren't very healthy mm-hmm. and family and and everything like now I finally just have a chosen family that you know and I communicate better than ever and I say what I need and all of those things come yeah. together to make everything a bit better but speaking of ageing, not that you're hardly one foot in the grave, <laughs> but I think, you know, there is a pressure for women to lie about their age. And I think mm. the music industry is very ageist and a lot of other creative industries as well. Do you think it's important for you to challenge that? Well, it looks like I'm going to have to. <laughs> I'm like sick of it. I, we, we were lying about what, how old I was. But, well, we weren't lying, but we weren't saying how old I was for mm. a bit. And then I just remember, it's not the real like 3am at the party <laughs> moment where I was like... It's the only certainty we have mm. is aging. So it's really stupid that we should be that ashamed mm-hmm. of it because it's the only thing we can't do anything about. Mm-hmm. Not one thing yeah. can be done. So mass shame feels like a waste of time. Mm. Um, and like loads of what I do is self-esteem and, and this project and in my music and with, with my art, it's like I'm highlighting the things I'm most insecure about to sort of save myself from... The, the terror of it all. But I think you're doing it more than just by your, your mere existence <laughs> as such, because obviously you left your previous band because that wasn't quite working for mm-hmm. you. And now you're able to authentically be yourself, mm-hmm. I think, or at least more so. Mm-hmm. And that has been groundbreaking. And mm-hmm. that's why you're on our po- podcast, Rule Breakers, <laughs> because you really have shaken up the industry with how candidly, um, well, how amazing your lyrics are, how brilliant your music is, but of course, how much you can be yourself. Do you feel freer now that you're yeah. able to do that and... Is that a kind of big, big aim for you? Yeah, I, I've realised like I, I sort of identified the problem and I've done everything I can to give myself a better quality of life and break the system of like, it's just constantly in this, you know, I'm not good enough. Everything mm. I want is too much and be quieter and life will get easier. That was like something that's a very broad way of putting what my sort of 20s and my being in the band was. Um, but like... Proving, like, I I mean, I set out to get here so long ago mm. and I've, but I've really, I really don't want to be like Kim Kardashian, like, get up and work, bitch, or whatever. But, like, I did devote my life to yeah. it. You know, I've lost a lot to yeah. get here as well. Yeah. And I worked really hard, kept my vision really clear. And thank God we get to sit here and go, oh, and it works. Yeah. You know, but either, whether it was going to or not, I had to do it or mm. I was going mad. Mm. And, um... I feel quite limitless. I feel like it's quite exciting to think that if you put if you put your mind to something, you can do it. I think a lot of I certainly got made to feel like there's no point. It's too mm-hmm. late, or it's too hard, and something because I'm like a 
bulldog. <laughs> I just wouldn't let it go. And yeah, now we're here and I've got free shoes and stuff. It's yeah, great. mega. <laughs> and everyone loves your music and it's, it's brilliant. But do you see yourself as a rule breaker and what does rule breaking mean to you? I think, you know, that's a great question. I don't, I don't see myself as a rule breaker, but I realise how much of a bubble I live in and it within my little bubble and my reality, I'm just existing and it's fine. I think that it's a, it's a combination of ageing and be, having been in the industry since I was 18, mm. you know, I'm just knackered. I'm sick of pleasing everyone else. I'm sick of not being myself in order to make everyone else comfortable. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I don't think I'm that hard to be around. I don't think what I'm doing is that wild. I just, I just, it's something to do, it's something to do with being a woman, I think. And, and every day you would, you know, get up, go out the door and think, you know, I was made to think, you know, at any point I'm going to get kidnapped, yeah. at any point I'm going to get attacked. And, you know, fair enough, that's how, that's, that is the world we live mm-hmm. in. But it has, it has moulded the way I am and mm-hmm. the way I behave and the things I need and, and all that. And and it's, there's just such a massive part of me that thinks that is not fair. Yeah. It's just not fair. And so everything I'm doing, I suppose, is just to to try and make the world a bit more fair. Music should be so progressive and open and space for everyone and inclusive. But the way that women have been presented yeah. for so long is so one dimensional. Yeah. And it is so necessary now for things to be diversified and for women to authentically be themselves. So mm-hmm. it shouldn't be that you're necessarily so groundbreaking because we should all be allowed to be this <laughs> way. But thank God yeah. that things are being shaken up. But you said that you've been in the industry since you're 18, which is a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously your profile has exploded in the past couple of years. How are you coping with that kind of change? Uh, it's weird because I don't feel any different, really. And it's not, I mean... Thank God it's not exploding in the way that, like, I can't go to the shop. You yeah. know what I mean? I don't think it'll ever be that. And I'm really glad that I've... When I was in my 20s, I would have loved to have been, like, famous and <laughs> things. And, and, and it's finally... So, not that I'm getting famous, but I'm becoming someone who gets invited to things and mm-hmm. I don't care, you know? Yeah. And, and that's nice. I think it's really great that it's happening to me now because at 25... I'd have been a real dick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, for the most part, nothing's different apart from I'm just very busy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My flats are tipped. <laughs> and I can't keep up with that. Um, but we were we were in the pub on Tuesday and two different people were like, we're like, oh my God, can I have a picture? And I was like, oh God, this is weird, right? Yeah. And it's like, but I was in East London, do you know yeah, what I mean? It's yeah, not going to yeah, happen yeah. anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm sure it'll only get bigger and bigger and bigger. You you speak very candidly in a lot of your lyrics and in interviews too. Is there anything that you want to keep back for yourself or anything yeah. that is kind of private territory? Yeah, I I don't want to talk about like my my romantic mm-hmm. life because I I did realise like that's... My last relationship was very public about and, yeah. and when we broke up, it was such an added thing. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, what about Instagram? Like, how ridiculous is that? I had to consider how embarrassing it looked that we'd broken yeah. up. And although I'm very public about how I feel and how I process mm. things, I, I'm pretty quiet about like family and romance yeah. and stuff like that. And what is a rule that you've never, ever lived by? It's hard because I have tried to live by mm-hmm. the rule of like, be sweet and nice and seen and not heard, yeah. you know, and... That my twenties, I was really like, somebody can somebody go out with me? <laughs> <Same>. <laughs> Anyone go out with me? <laughs> and it felt like 
if I'm just quiet and demure enough and like Amelie, then then maybe <laughs> yeah. they will. And that, so I really committed to trying to be like that, but obviously mm. I'm not like that. So a rule that I quit doing, shall we yeah. say, is yeah, yeah. is trying to be what I thought, certainly what I thought men want girls to be like mm. in terms of dating. I stopped mm. doing that and I just started to be very direct in dating and stuff. And but I completely wholeheartedly support that. <laughs> 20s are tough and projecting a very far removed version of yourself yeah. when you're dating is exhausting. Oh so my God. It's, it's nice a, yeah. not to have to do that anymore. Long, slow trudge to the truth, yeah. which is <laughs> my relationships now. I'm very candid from the off and yeah. it's a lot better. Totally. So I don't know if I answered that right. Rule to never... I've always, I've probably dabbled in trying to stick to the rules. Yeah. I've always wanted so badly to be all right. Yeah. But yeah, not anymore. How do you um, manage social media and how much you give away there? And like, do you delve into the comments or is it in the DMs or is it something that you try to kind of detach from? I need to start detaching, I Mm. think. Like, I've always kept really up with it. I think I do, like, if I'm being honest, like, since I do this all the time, came out last spring. Mm. It has been a pretty constant run of like nice comments and nice messages. And I definitely am like getting used to that. Mm. But then that but then when there are these odd, horrible ones, I am like (laughs) and and I I really no matter how much reckoning with like, well, there's 20 great comments and one horrible one. It's just it just it's so powerful. Mm. But I also like to have a laugh with it. I really, some things make me genuinely guffaw and I'm like, <laughs> and I feel very supported by that community yeah, of self-esteem yeah. fans. Can you um, talk a bit about your uh, writing process and what that's like? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I've written quite a few things just over the course of this year. I write a lot just in my phone and mm-hmm. have sort of referred to that. Sometimes I have an idea of the first song I definitely want to build and mm-hmm. go to the studio with Johan, my producer, who who writes with me too sometimes and we get like there's different ways of doing it Johan will send me like a beat and I'll just like write a whole song on top of it or things like that but at the moment we I've got a few things that I've done few odds and ends that Johan sent me and then me and Johan basically just need to get together and but I'm going to work with a few other people I've not really done that for Mm -hmm. a bit try working with other producers and I've got an idea of what I want it to be um but I'm so burnt out at the moment that I just kind of can't think about it too much. But I say that and then within an hour, we're going <laughs> and we've got it. So, yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. Every time you ever tour, you always tour a bit too much. Yeah, and you're exactly. always ready so you for the new material. And I'm same sure. with studio. You're always in the studio a bit too long and you're ready to play again. So this has been the cycle since 18, you know. Wow. Yeah, ready to go. Be in the studio, one place. Yeah, definitely. Water plants. <laughs> If you're enjoying this episode, please check out more great conversations from our four previous Incredible Women series. To thank listeners, we're offering first-time customers 10% off their first Net-A-Porter order. Just enter the code RULEBREAKERS at the checkout. T's and C's and exclusions apply. So your gigs are very powerful kind of collective outpourings of lots of emotions and these really amazing shared experiences with your audiences. How do you prepare for that? And what does it feel like to share in such an intimate way with your with your audience? I, yeah, I prepare. I mean, the show is, I've 
sort of it's been in my brain for a long time. We we rehearse and stuff like that. And then the, the, my band are really like it's it's pretty rare to get session musicians that can get so aligned with like mm-hmm. your ideology. And we we all just we stand in a circle. We say what we're grateful for that day, and then we chant. I do this all the time, and then we go on stage and do it. And when sometimes the gigs aren't that nice, sometimes we've been treated a bit crappy. Sometimes, really? yeah, it's still very like often that like. I mean, it's often like sound men and stuff that oh, are still God. like, and and it's so easy for me to. It's, it's something weird about like we're in the outfits, you know, and then as soon as someone's making me feel a bit stupid, I'm like, oh, I'm just stood, I'm stood oh. here in a cowboy hat and I feel really stupid, you know, and <laughs> oh. and it's it's very on a knife edge. What, right. what, and 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 if we played to a crowd recently that in in another country that obviously I had no idea who I was and really didn't get it, right. and. uh that was really hard, but like still the band, we keep ourselves entertained. We we like and we have this thing where we say Super Bowl, Super Bowl, Super Bowl, and we just pretend we're playing the Super Bowl. No I'm sure what, again yeah. we're manifesting yeah. here, you're gonna yeah. be doing it one day. <laughs> we do, we do. <laughs> There's lots of like, ooh, not quite so glamorous yeah. moments and Super Bowl is a powerful world that Good. gets us through. It transports you. Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> God, but that is shocking that like well, I just don't think of that part because you come across as so um powerful on stage yeah. and I guess it just r- reminds you that the artist is an individual that like a stupid sound guy can say something yeah. and then throughout your whole show that's playing yeah. in the back of your yeah. mind that's a goal of mine to like make that be less easy to yeah. do but like sh- shake me but you know it's often like well I'm th- I'm talking about recently we they were like you've got to go on now and none of our in-ears were working right. and I was like well we can't go on and this guy was speaking to me like shit and I just mm. thought you just would not speak to a man like that I know you wouldn't I fucking know you yeah. wouldn't and we were all stood there in silly hats and <laughs> cycling <laughs> and I was like trying to have a go going, my t-shirt said father figure <laughs> and I was like <laughs> and it's like wow in a moment all that confidence yeah. can just go because I'm still you know my wiring is so deep rooted in this yeah. like be a, be accommodating be mm-hmm. people please mm-hmm. um and anyway, after that, I learned to bring my own sound engineer. Because I just can't, I can't go through that anymore. There's something so uplifting and inspiring about your performances with your dancers. Um, it's so joyful and an amazing kind of visual to see. Can you tell us a little bit about that and why it means a lot to you? Yeah, I think like I was always bullying girls from around the corner to do dance routines with me. I was writing songs as a kid, making, doing performances like... It's all just a long game back to try and do that for a living. Um, but dance has always been such a big part of my life. And again, it was something like every time we wanted to do a video in Slow Club, I'd be like, maybe we could do a dancing video. And like, never, ever, ever was I allowed to, yeah. you know. And, and and we did one and it was like not worth all the hassle, <laughs> you know. So I, it's just always been something I wanted to do. I also love just exercise like I just doing anything with my body mm-hmm. makes me feel better. So it's always been like, yeah, what do I want? My dream life would be like singing and dancing for a living and then making it that. And, and the girls I've found are similar mm-hmm. <laughs> and they grew up in the same sort of ways and they're not dancers, you know, yeah. but we are, we work really hard at it and we make our own version of this. Like, I don't know, we're like a pack, you know, and and every time, you know, even if I'm not feeling all right, like seeing them makes me smile you know and 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 it is like uh I guess it's a bit weird and radical that when we're up there doing what we're doing what we're doing 
and I feel very like proud of that, you know. And I don't think I'll ever get bored of us standing up there doing what we're doing. Because I know it's like, even if this, like, so it was so easy to take the piss out of that I'm like, well, you couldn't do it though, could yeah. you? Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's so brilliant for us to see, but it also sounds like, as you said, you just used the word pack, which I really like. It must mm. be nice to have this collective around you who are there to support yeah. you at any time. Sometimes I'm like, I do pay you though, so I hope, <laughs> I do hope this is real, but it really is like real love. And yeah. I've always felt very alone and very, very not part of things. Yeah. And, and well, we have created this thing that, gives everyone uh strength i think mm-hmm. and also i do think there's like part a lot i mean it's generalizing but there's a lot of so many of us went to like dance classes at school you know when we were kids and stuff and it's like you know you're not allowed to carry on doing that in a weird exactly. way there's no place for it anymore and i think for me it's certainly a way to yeah live my childhood dream of being a yeah. dancer Oh my god! Yeah. There's no just because like yeah, I'm not on Broadway doing it yet. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, like really making. I had a really bad like, I had a very bad 2013, and and I remember like the way I got well again was just like I started to go to a dance class again. Mm-hmm. I started to paint. I started to do all these things I did as a kid when things didn't matter, and mm. no, and that's self love, you know. And that's that that was the germination of loving myself. I think was like just doing stuff not for any other reason than I like doing it and obviously I've turned them all into a career now I've ruined it but but yeah it's yeah it's just joyful you know? it is and that's I haven't really thought about it like that but it is certainly something from your childhood that when you become an adult it's no longer really acceptable mm. unless you're in the club to mm. dance and I think yeah I go to a dance class um as often as I can and it just is so liberating and freeing yeah. and you can just be yourself yeah. really and you don't really give a shit that your arms are flailing and all of these yeah, strangers yeah. in a room with yeah. you you just get into it it's, it's so great good for you. It's so um, good for you. I'm about to butcher this but you composed the soundtrack for Jodie Comer's play Prima it's actually Faki. Faki, okay. But no one calls it that. I think Faishi. Faishi, let's do Faishi. the sexiest one. Um, <laughs> how was that experience for you? And is it something that you'd like to explore more? Yeah, definitely. Like I, I've written a couple of plays, tried to get into theatre before. I've been going on about it for ages. And this is the first time someone just really trusted yeah. me and took a punt on me and, and gave me what I needed. Um, and it was like the... the Plays themes are very aligned with mm-hmm. what I'm going on about all the time, and but it was sort of weirdly easy, mm-hmm. and uh, but and I think like my my hyper emotionalness is quite like good at sco- scoring mm-hmm. stuff because it's yeah for scene needs to feel like X Y and Z. I've got a pretty good idea <laughs> what that feels like because I feel ten million things a day. So yeah, I just loved it. Want to do more of it? Really want to do more of it. I'd love to do a movie or. And I and just the theatre at all is like there's something about that space and 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 the, like what 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 you can do in a in a theatre mm-hmm. with an audience that they, they turn up to sit and listen yeah. and, and be attentive like that's quite an exciting place to make art for so yeah. Yeah, and I think for the most part, because even at gigs, I guess everyone has their phones out. Mm. It's one of the only places yeah. where it's sacred, yeah. where for like two hours, people have their mm-hmm. phones in their bags yeah. and you're just like totally yeah. tuned in and listening. It makes a diff- such a difference. I'm kind of wondering what we could do, like I kind of want to do with theatre mm-hmm. show of like instead of a gig or for yeah. my next record, but I don't know. I also really like, I, I'm like, 
I think I'm a very good actress. Okay. <laughs> and so I was an more... agent finally. <laughs> and I was like, hello, <laughs> I'm going to have a gaga pivot to Amazing. Hollywood. Oh, yeah, I can see House of Gucci. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very House of Gucci. <laughs> but I, uh, I've, so far though, they're like, mum of three. <laughs> oh, like, um, <laughs> what would be a dream role? I would, like, you know, like, that star is born. I, mm-hmm. I just loved, and it was so, I'd love to do something that's sort of close to me, but a bit bit you know but playing a character there's something about acting that's always been this thing I want to do and I think it's because it's to me challenging in Mm -hmm. a new way to sort of perform Mm -hmm. but it's not what I've written yeah there's something kind of like very easy about performing what I've written and I've always wanted to not do that but but then actor friends of mine are like don't don't (laughs) don't do this horrible industry and like you get to be center stage every night of your life but we'll see yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Well, they've already been like four or five stars born, so what's another? I, think I know. Should do me it. and Calvin Harris, I think. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've been pitching this about. Or me and Joe Lysa, actually. Oh, I my was God. <laughs> I, I would love to see. I'm, I'm down for it. Um, do you see an evolution in terms of your style? Do you want, is it something that you want to keep, not to be chameleonic, but to keep sort of switching up? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, so far, <laughs> my mood board is just like loads of Madonna pictures from the 80s. And I'm like, at some point I need to start referencing something else, but I'm not quite done yet. Um, but yeah, and, and everything gets easier the bigger the profile mm-hmm. is. So like, I'm not interested in being famous or mm-hmm. any of that, but I am interested in how much easier it will be to say, I'd like to reference this, this and this. Can yeah. we call this, this and this? Yeah. And like, that is going to be so fun if that happens for yeah. me. But I still do think like my body shape and things like that, I think it'll be more difficult than mm-hmm. if I was like a bit skinnier mm-hmm. and like I refuse to. So I, it's just another thing to violently be myself yeah. through and, and and try and shift. But I like everything, like that little girl that was drawing costumes. Yeah. Like I'm just still that essentially. So yeah, I love the idea that we are like Egyptian goddesses still mm-hmm. just roaming around and like <laughs> just because life became not that doesn't yeah. mean we can't and I love like glamour meeting reality and, yeah. and and yeah I just it's not it's not about like maybe it is but like a the sumptuousness the, mm-hmm. the drama of it all I'm yeah. obsessed you know like Liberace just like yes. loves nice things I often think god I am like nice smells nice thread count <laughs> nice sh- like sparkle yeah I'm obsessed totally colour gold yeah. <laughs> I'm fully aligned does that help you kind of get on stage and project maybe even your truer self or is it more of a persona I feel very much myself mm-hmm. clothes fashion has always been like as a kid, I would just draw designs all the time. Like oh, I was wow. obsessed with clothes yeah. from the out. Always have been. Makes me so happy. Makes me so happy. Like I've got a new stylist and he, I just love talking to him about clothes so yeah. much. <laughs> and uh, and in my old band, you know, it was not the focus. Yeah. And I love that I can further my what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. with, with the arm of fashion. Mm-hmm. But also fashion is another one that's like pretty bad representation, pretty yeah. like exclusionary and a long game plan is to try and, you know, you know, like Kanye. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'd love to start a label, like absolutely. But it's like a while away. That's it? exciting. Yeah. What kind of thing? Just like for more women with work. hips. Okay. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Women with hips and tits. Amazing. Because you're either like, 
it's either plus size fashion or yeah. it's not. And there is such this like size 14 wasteland, you mm-hmm. know, and, uh, but yeah, I'd like quite passionately like to create things that could fit that body type. Brilliant. But yeah. Gosh, well, a very multifaceted future ahead. <laughs> bit of acting, yeah, well, it's all like... clothing line on the way. <laughs> it's all like, I remember watching Kanye stuff or, or Childish Gambino and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I'm like, that's me. I want to do it all. But mm. the one thing I'm not is a man. And it, and yeah. that's the only thing that seems to be like, yeah, in correlation here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I don't see why I can't yeah. do it all. Totally. And I think Donald Glover is like been a master exactly. of doing so many different mm-hmm. things. He is like iconic. Who have been your biggest mentors? And are there any women aside from, well, obviously Kanye and Donald yeah. are women. <laughs> are there women who you've really been inspired by their careers and yeah. influence? I remember at the start of trying to do a solo st- stuff, uh, we were, I was very like, not not musically or aesthetically, but the world Florence built and, and, mm-hmm. and achieved in the way that the, her community is sort of there with her like yeah. I found that very inspiring yeah. and Gaga honestly like I, I'm not like I would never put I, I never put like her early records on and just yeah. like jam out to them but I, everything about her earnestness and mm-hmm. her commitment to her art mm. and when she did Art Pop and they she went to like four different retreats I don't know if you saw that and like she worked with Marina Abramovich yeah. she's like my favourite artist now like that is so, so much of my career has been men rolling their eyes yeah. at me wanting to do anything earnest or, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, pretentious. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and I love that she, er, you know, everyone was taking the piss. She just really committed. Totally. And like, you reap the benefits in totally. the end. So, and who else? Like, I'm a big Freddie Mercury head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, that just like committing to your right to exist i guess my last question for you now is who are your rule breakers who are the people um that you think are shaking things up and challenging the status quo that are impressing you (sighs) well i can never think of anything (laughs) madonna obviously i still think the fact that she defiantly posts her bot on instagram (laughs) makes me so happy um whenever i get a bit uh I get scared, you know, I get, thank God, am I putting my head too high up above the pulpit here and is it going to backfire? And then I, you know, you look back through what she did and, yeah. and, and yeah, she sort of gets so much hate and I'm like, for that, then for that reason, that's why I want to keep going. Totally. And what I love about Madonna is regardless of all the hate, particularly now with her flashing her bum on Insta mm. and doing whatever, she just keeps going and comes yeah. back with more. And I think that is brilliant. Yeah. It's the Amazing. difference between, it's like, oh, she must be thick skinned or whatever. I'm like, I don't, I don't think I'm thick skinned mm-hmm. at all, but I just have, I've just got this obsession with being allowed to be alive in myself yeah. and I kind of think that's maybe what she was doing. Like mm-hmm. that was her. And yeah, there was like marketing around it and PR and things like that. But I think still ultimately you can't put that out into the world for that long without it being something you love and you enjoy. And like, that's kind of what I'm on about really. Totally. And I think that is the perfect way to conclude. <laughs> Thank you so much for being so authentically yourself. Uh, Thank you so much for being such an amazing guest. Thank you. And thank you for all that you do. No, it's been lovely. Thank you. Lovely to meet you. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. The Rule Breakers was brought to you by Netaporte and Chalk and Blade. 
hosted by Net-A-Porter's content director Alice Casely Hayford and fashion director Kay Barron. The team at Net-A-Porter was Katie Barrington as the senior editor, with casting by Annabel Brog and Olivia Wakefield, and coordination by Erin Shanahan. The producer at Chalk and Blade was Fatuma Kaira, and the managing producer was Laura Hyde. Original music by Alexis Adamora, and the series was mixed by Nasson De Silva. Enter the code RULEBREAKERS at the checkout for 10% off your first Net-A-Porter order. T's and C's and exclusions apply. To make sure you hear all the episodes, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information, go to netaporte.com.